this week I heard about a couple here at Trent who received a letter from their landlord telling them that, they, that he was selling the house and they had two months until they had to move out of their home, a month before their third baby was due. This was distressing news and so one of them contacted a close friend also in this church who then texted her husband to let him know. And when he got home from work, he said to his wife, I think we should buy that house. Buying a property to rent was something they had briefly considered several months before, but hadn't really thought about since. And the previous term, the small group had been looking at listening to and responding to God's whisper. And they felt that this was one of those moments. And when the, God was inviting them to be part of something, part of something amazing that he was doing for this family in need. And so just three hours after finding out that they would have to move their young family and their brand new baby, this couple were told that yes, the house they lived in was being sold, but God had made a way through another church member's generosity for them to stay. Wonderful. Today we're continuing this series on uh, life with Jesus, exploring an area that I believe is absolutely key for all of us, where God works in and through us, and a way that we can experience his goodness. This morning we're going to look at the subject of generosity, in particular generosity with our finances, and I and a few members of the church are going to share some sort of insights into what motivates us personally to live generously. I thought it'd be really helpful and inspiring to hear from more than just me, uh, but from people also with authentic personal stories and experiences of the challenges and indeed the blessings of giving. So together we want this morning to address the question, why give? Why live generously? The Bible tells us in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Or as you two put it in the song, Bullet the Blue Sky, the God I believe in isn't short of cash, mister. He has endless resources. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we're told. Why does then he need our money? Why does he command us to give? Why does he choose to use the money he's entrusted to us to fund his work? Well, I hope that hearing why I and other members of the church give financially will help to go some way in answering that question. So in a bit, we'll hear from four members of the church, but first I wanted to share with you some of what motivates me personally to give financially. As some of you will know, um, Debbie and I came back to God having spent a few years in our teenage years kind of drifting away from him, and we decided to make some radical steps towards surrendering our lives to him. So we, we had to stop sleeping together, and we had to like start behaving like Christians and all sorts of things. And um, one of the first things we did, we thought, well, this is an easy one. We can just simply get our giving sorted out and uh, align that with God's will. So it was, uh, I was in my third year as a student, and I decided, uh, decided to start giving a tenth of the money that I had coming in. And actually, I decided to backdate it to backdate that gift for a whole term, despite the fact I had no money, took my visa, put it in a hole in the wall and took out cash and gave it to the church. And from that moment on began the habit of, uh, of giving about a tenth at least. And it's not a model, please hear me, that is not a model I would teach, 
borrowing so that you can give. But I was just an idealistic 22-year-old in love with Jesus, so there I went. And there were some months initially uh, when we weren't exact about the amount, but it wasn't long before giving at least a tenth, which very quickly became a tenth of our gross income, became a habit which has continued now for over 30 years. So giving, surrendering our finances to God was one of the first ways that we aligned our lives to God's will because we realized that the Bible is really clear that disciples of Jesus give. And so for us, giving was and is a simple issue, first of all, of obedience. It's really clear that it's an important issue to God. The way we handle our money, the way we handle our possessions is very important to him. About a third of the words that Jesus is recorded as saying are apparently about money. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus is recorded as telling are about money and possessions. And so as Debbie and I looked at how we could get our lives back in line with what pleased God, this was an area where making a decision really felt very straightforward. And I can honestly say that we've been thoroughly blessed through this obedience. Over the years, we have given substantial amounts of money to the work and ministry of the church and towards building these facilities and beyond that to other charities and to individuals. But we've never viewed being generous with our money as any sort of net loss in our life, but very much a net gain. We don't feel that our life has been constrained by giving financially, but rather it's been enriched in so many ways. As Jesus said, and I believe it to be true, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And he commands us to give generously, not because he can't fund his work any other way. It's the way he's chosen to do it. But it's not because he wants something from us. It's because he wants something for us. Let me talk about two ways that that's the case before the others come up. First, God wants us to live in freedom, to be free Free particularly from materialism. We live in a culture here in the West where there is pressure constantly all around us to have, to consume, to spend, to buy, to own, even to borrow for things we can't afford and don't really need. But Jesus warned us in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You will be led by one or the other. And it's down to us to choose which we would prefer to be in charge of our life. The word Jesus used for money here, mammon, was a word that personified money. Picture this really powerful person, Mr. Money. It's like saying you can't serve both God and Mr. Money because Mr. Money wants to be your master. And he wants to start calling the shots and get you to say things like, I'd love to be generous, but I can't right now. I know it's a big commute to this new job and I won't be able to see much of my family, but I can't turn down this promotion and this huge pay rise. I can't live without this thing, so I need to take on this large loan. Worry about whether we're going to have enough to pay the upcoming bill or put food on the table is a very real burden for some people. And it can feel like money or anxiety about money it actually takes control, is really controlling of their life. But sometimes it may be useful to ask ourselves a question which Andy Stanley poses. 
Do we have money or does money have us? If the answer to that question is that money has you, I would really want to encourage you to put Mr. Money back in his place and take back that control by placing your money under God's leadership. One way to do that is to be generous. The primary way to do that, actually, give it away, some of it, because that demonstrates where money comes in our order of priorities, that we are master of our money, not the other way around. Because whatever we're prepared to sacrifice to God, submit to his leadership, can no longer have a hold on us. God invites us to live generously, not because he wants us in any way to feel guilty about worrying about money or for desiring nice things, but because he knows the hold that money can have on us. And money can be a great servant, but it is an awful boss. Earlier in that same passage, in verse 19, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus understands the grip that money can have on the human heart. And he longs for our hearts to be free. God isn't passionate about our money. He's passionate about our hearts. And that's why it's not really about how much we give, what we're actually practically doing. It's an issue more of what our motives are, where our hearts are. And so it prompts us to consider, where is your heart? Where is my heart? Well, where is my treasure? Gives us the answer to that. Is it in God's purposes or is it in materialism? We tend to think that if someone's heart is captured, their money follows. And indeed, that's often the case. A guy falls for a girl and starts spending money on buying her jewelry and flowers and restaurant meals. And so certainly it happens that way. Whilst it's true that our treasure will go where our heart is, Jesus is telling us something really powerful here. He doesn't say, sort your heart out and then your treasure will get right. He says, decide where you want your heart to be and invest your treasure there. And then watch what happens to your heart. John Ortberg, a pastor from the US, said this, the money deal is a trust deal. Jesus understood when people give their treasure, something happens to their hearts. And they open themselves up to, to experiencing the reality of God in their lives like no way else. Invest your treasure in God's kingdom and we'll find our heart follows. And we'll find freedom from materialism. There's an interesting little passage in the book of Deuteronomy which talks about generosity. It's particularly focused there about generosity towards those who are poor and in need. And it refers to two Opposite ways of approaching our money. This is from the New International Version, Deuteronomy 15, and I've edited down verses 7 to 8, but these are words that come straight out of that text. Do not be tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed. That first approach, that first picture is a materialistic approach, okay, described as tight-fisted. That's holding on to, clinging on to what is ours. God wants us to be free from that. The contrasting approach, free from materialism, is open-handed, which of course means being generous. When we see a need, we have resources, we share with others. 
And it strikes me this is a really powerful picture of positioning ourselves, not just to be used by God, but actually positioning ourselves for God's blessing. A closed hand cannot receive. There's no way for God to give anything that can, it's like, nope, that is closed. There's, not, there's no way in there. An open hand is, is like it's a receiving as well as a giving hand. The hand is open. It's like if there's someone more in need than me in this moment, what I have can flow. But that is also, I mean, it's like, can I receive? We put our hands out to receive, right? And so God, it's like he is up in heaven. He's got Jesus at his right hand and he's like, there's one. See that? There's a hand that is open, a hand in which I can trust and place more resources, more blessing, because I know it's not going to be held in a tight-fisted way. And this is the second thing I believe God wants for us. God wants to bless us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and following, Paul the Apostle writes this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The Apostle Paul is telling us that if we are generous... We will reap generously, we will be blessed abundantly, we will be enriched in every way. Not so that we can just keep hold of the blessing, you know, it's like being open-handed and then, thank you for the blessing you've just showered upon me. But no, remaining that way so that we are then able to overflow. God is absolutely amazing. He has given us life. He so loved the world that he gave everything to restore us to him through Jesus on the cross. He gives us every breath. He gives us everything that we have. And so in response to that, he could have just said, now you give. I've given everything to you that you even have. The ability to produce wealth, I've given you that. Now, now just give. In Luke 6 verse 38, Jesus says, Give. And he could quite legitimately have finished the sentence right there. That would have been more than fair. But amazingly, Jesus continued that sentence without even pausing with a comma. Give, he says, and it will be given to you. And not just a little bit, but a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. To try and picture this, a friend of mine, Trey Shepard, uses the analogy of a bin, a dustbin. A rubbish bin. I know it doesn't sound much like a blessing, but bear with me. Uh, I'm sure you'll have all done this at some point, as I have. When the bin seems like it's full <laughs> and really should go outside, we try and push all the rubbish down, maybe even with our foot stomp on it, and in a get maybe another day, maybe even another two days before we have to take that bag out. We might even carefully grab the edges, the corners of the actual plastic bag, if that's what it is, and try and lift them up to make the bin even taller than it once was, and uh, shake it down a bit to make sure we can get a bit more in. And then when you can't shove any more in, the bin is so stuffed it takes two of you then to get the bag out of the bin, right? One's pulling the bin, one's pulling the bag. 
And finally, all that rubbish has been pushed down, shaken together. Maybe it's pouring over. It's ready to go outside. Maybe you're not the most dignified picture of God's gifts and blessings to us, but I hope you get what I mean. That's the measure of blessing that Jesus is talking about. I want to bless you so much, you will not be able to contain it. God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. He wants to bless us. Now, it may or may not be financial blessing. Let's be clear, we're not teaching a prosperity gospel where you sow a financial seed and are guaranteed a financial return. But God promises to bless a cheerful giver. And we experience blessing in so many ways. We experience joy. We experience peace about financial matters. We see God moving through us. We're at peace because Mr. Money no longer has a hold on us. We can hear some examples of that now from four church members. And I don't, have no idea what they'll say. But essentially they've been asked the questions, why, so why do you give? And what's your experience of giving being? So would you please first of all welcome Dan and Danny Turner. Morning, Dan, Danny. Um, so standing on a stage like this in front of all you good people talking about our finances feels a little bit like one of those dreams um, where you've forgotten to put your trousers on in public. Um, it's either a little bit awkward or maybe quite liberating, depending on your perspective. Um, but the reality is that money is quite a sensitive subject for lots of us for, for many reasons. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that's healthy. Um, Jesus certainly never seemed shy away from talking about money. And ultimately for us, the reason that we, we choose to give is because we want to follow the way that Jesus spoke um, about money. So when we were asked to talk about why we give, we were actually quite excited. So our immediate response was, because we just love it. Giving for both of us is one of the greatest blessings in our lives. And it's easy to say that it's more blessed than it is to receive. But honestly, in our experience, it is. We're so privileged to be in the financial position that we find ourselves, but we know that we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We both grew up in families um, that went to church and it was just normal to give. And the principle of tithing or giving 10% of your income was a standard. And both of our parents encouraged us to give and they modeled generosity really openly in the home. These days we're fairly comfortable financially, but this hasn't always been the case. And we've always stuck to the same principle. We've both known times when we've lived on very little income and had to budget really, really carefully. But at least 10% was always the first thing to come off our financial plans. Looking back, we agree that we we're probably a little bit legalistic to start off with, with the 10%. But we've just found it to be a really great baseline to use and a principle in our lives. We now try to model generosity to our kids. They are aware that we give and they have started to grasp the idea too. In fact, last week, my six-year-old daughter, Lola, declared to me at bedtime that she was going to empty her money box and give all the money to children who don't have anything. And um, I just love this. I love that they're grasping the idea of being generous. She then asked me why we don't sell our home and give all the money away. <laughs> so I think that the kids might even grasp it more than us. Um, depending on where you're at in your journey, the idea of giving as much as 10% might sound like madness. Um, but we don't want to share our experience that giving has never, ever left us short. Um, 
I mean, there's lots of stories in our lives of times where we've chosen to give sacrificially and then found that God's blessed us in return. Um, to give a really clear example of that, when we were doing the Making Room for More offering to extend the building and facilities here, um, both Danny and I felt separately that we wanted to give a very specific amount of money, um, but it was an amount of money we couldn't afford at the time. But we decided that we wanted to trust God and we agreed that we would go ahead. So on the Sunday, we, we put the amount of money into the offering um, and amazingly, within two days, um, somebody completely not connected with the church gave us a gift of the exact same amount back who knew nothing of what we'd done on the Sunday. Um, it's not always as linear or as obvious as that, and we certainly don't give in order to get back. It's not like it's some kind of heavenly pyramid scheme. Um, but we would both absolutely testify to the fact that giving has never left us in need, and we've known lots of similar stories to that one. We're blessed that we're also able to give professionally. We run a business which was founded by my parents and the same principle applies in our work life. The company has always given a minimum of 10% of the profits that it makes away to what we call making a difference projects. And it is the best bit about running the business. It's the reason we get out of bed in the morning. Over the years, the generosity has benefited so many. It's benefited our staff and people close by and also many people from around the world. And it's amazing to see how God can multiply our gift. Often the money we give becomes seed for something just made way more than we could have ever achieved on ourselves. We could give so many different examples, but one of them is from Moses in a place called Mizuzu in Malawi. So um, we, one of the projects we partner with um, breeds pigs. And when we have a litter of pigs, we give away the female pigs to the poorest people in the community. Um, they then go away and rear their own litters and give one pig back, but the rest are theirs to set up their own business. And Moses is here on the left-hand side four years ago receiving his piglet. That's him actually walking away. Um, in the four years since then, Moses has been able to uh, do so much with that. He's, um, he's improved his own home. He's set up a small farmstead. He's paid for his two daughters to be educated. And on the left-hand side, as you can see, he's now set up a small shop, barbers and hairdressers. Um, mm -hmm we gave one pig. It's amazing how much God does so much more. So we give because we love it and it's exciting and it's all God's anyway, not just the 10%. Um, we give as an act of obedience and of worship. And we give because we find it helps to release money's hold on us. And we give to Trent, our church, because it's our home church and we love what God's doing here. We don't give in order to get more in return. We don't give because we think God will be angry at us if we don't. Um, we don't give whatever's left over after we've had our own fun first. And we don't give because God is short of cash. Um, going back to where we first started, um, our hope is that by sharing a little more openly like this won't be a weird thing, but it would be an encouragement. And we have to say that our story is that giving is just such a blessed thing to do. Thank you, thank you so much. Would you welcome Sam Mayland? Hello. Um, I give, um, for all the reasons that John's already said, um, we, we as a family, my wife and I, Lucy, we want to be generous. We want to be obedient to God, and we feel like that's going to be good for us because he cares about us. And we love this church. We love what the church does, and we want to be part of that, and we want to contribute to that. 
Um, and for me personally, um, God often speaks to me through science, uh, particularly clinical research about psychological well-being. So that's kind of my area of work. And um, I think we can say with a, a lot of confidence now that giving and being generous is just good for your health, your physical and your mental health. Uh, it's like one of your five fruit and veg a day. It's, it's that good. It's that clear now. And so just to give you a little example um, from the research of how this might play out. So if we cut this down, you guys in half, and gave you guys, this half of the congregation, 50 pounds each to go and spend on something fun. So you can go bowling, have dinner, have a drink. You might be a bit more inventive than me, but you've got 50 pounds today. Go and spend it. This half of the congregation will give you the same amount of money, 50 pounds each, but you have to spend it for the benefit of someone else, for the benefit of others. You can't spend it on yourself. Maybe it doesn't sound quite so fun. This is what we would expect to happen if we did that. You guys, if we measured your positive emotions hour by hour, you would have a boost in happiness, joy, excitement, those kind of things. But by tomorrow, let's say you do that today, by tomorrow morning, you'll be back down to baseline level. You'll be as happy as you ever were to start off with. Whereas you guys, what we'd expect to happen is a similar thing. There'd be a similar boost in happiness, joy, those positive emotions. But if we measured you three months later, you would still be happier than, than these guys. That's a really massive effect to have that. One event can have that prolonged an effect. And the second thing that really goes hand in hand with that is that we now know that generosity giving, it just spreads uh, to people that you know and many people beyond that, people that you don't know. It's like a benevolent virus that is going to spread amongst your kind of personal network. So I believe that's great research, but for me personally, I think that that is because we were designed this way. God made us so that being generous um, was good for us. And so in terms of my personal experience of that, um, like a lot of people in the church, it's had its challenges, definitely. Um, but overwhelmingly, it's been one of the things that makes life good, is being able to give, being able to be generous. So I just want to give you kind of two, both ends of that, two examples, one, one, one either side of that. So several years ago, I finished training as a clinical psychologist. And that was kind of meant to be like a, woo, yeah, pay rise. And that was really hard, and it's over now, and now life's going to get easier. And uh, what actually happened was I didn't get a job. I was unemployed for three months, and me and my family were living on benefits for that time. So we had a nine-month-old daughter, an almost two-year-old daughter, and we were 800 pounds overdrawn. And so um, at that point, I went to my wife, Lucy, and I said, look, we need to, firstly, we need to extend our overdraft. We need to stop our giving amongst all the other things that we need to cut down on. And she, in her wisdom, said, well, look, this is... We believe God's going to provide the work. He's provided all the money we've ever had. Why don't we just keep that giving exactly as it is and pray before we extend that overdraft? And um, through a, a number of amazing circumstances, um, to cut a long story short, at the end of that time, we were £400 in credit and um, we'd received in that time around about £800 in numerous donations to us, most of which we never found out who they were, but we suspect... All of it came from members of the church, which was pretty unbelievable. And it changed how we felt about God, how we felt about giving. Now, fast forward several years later, and there was a big tax error, and we got 20, given £25,000, which is many multiples more than we'd ever had in our lives. 
And because of, partly because of that experience and the stuff that had gone in between, we were excited. It was like, yeah, this is clearly going to be an opportunity to get some of that good stuff that we know you get from giving. And so we decided to give, we're just debating it, somewhere between 13 and 15%. We think we gave about 12.5% to church stuff and about 2.5% we just kept to just give away and just have fun with. I remember us just tittering as we put like, money in an envelope, gave it to people. And um, so we kind of expected that to make us feel good. What we hadn't expected was that we felt differently about the other bit of money, the main bit of money. So we spent that on extending our kitchen. And I can say with confidence that we feel more grateful for that still now. You expect, generally in research, you'd expect stuff to, the goodness that comes from stuff to wear out. It definitely hasn't. And we were able to hold it so much more lightly, knowing none of it was ours. Part of giving it was just knowing that it wasn't ours to start off with. We could definitely have been like, oh, this is so much money. Uh, you know, we've got to spend it right. We've got to do this good. Oh, no, it's, we're never, this is never going to happen again. We've got to do it right. But it didn't feel like that. It just felt like it was never ours. It was none of it was ours. So let's have fun with it. And I know that giving, being generous, was a key part of that. So. And lastly, would you welcome Ellie Mackay. Um, yeah, so I'm Ellie. I'm in my fifth year of being a student here in Nottingham, and I've been at Trent here for four years. And I think, like John said, like everyone said, there's so many reasons to give out of obedience, out of our love for God, um, to remind ourselves that he's sovereign. But I think one of the main reasons that I give to this church is that I'm really passionate about what we do here. I think as a student, you have a lot of free time and I've had the opportunity to serve in lots of our different ministry areas. But I've really barely scratched the surface. Um, I was inspired last week by Ali's talk on compassion and it made me proud to call Trent home, but I don't think any of us have enough hours in the week to serve in every area. But I think by giving to Trent, we have the opportunity to be involved in all that God's doing here. The well-known expression goes, put your money where your mouth is. And I go around telling people, and I do believe that Trent is working for Jesus. That as a church, we are serving the city of Nottingham. And Trent is championing individuals like me and all of you. I think that we're part of God's plan to bring his kingdom here. That what we do has an impact, an eternal significance. And I want to be involved in that. But if I say all these things, if I say Trent is amazing, but then I spend all my money on Netflix or nights out, then I think I'm just lying. And I'm not just deceiving others, but I'm, I'm deceiving myself. And in my time, I found that how we use our money, how I've used my money, has been an incredible barometer of where my priorities are at. So my experience, I don't want you to think that because I'm standing on stage, I am an expert at this at all. I actually find giving quite challenging. I'm not sure whether I'll ever be great at it. And I think as a student, I found it particularly hard. As a group, we often don't have much, and the money that we do have is made up of student loans or gifts from our parents and maybe a bit from a part-time job. And I found it really hard even knowing what's, what's mine to give. But I do think I can make the choice to, to give over having another takeaway or buying another drink. And I think that if I don't start now, then when will I ever start? 
I'm constantly told that now's the time in my life where I'm making the habits that are going to stay with me forever. And if I can't find the money now, then how on earth am I meant to when I have a mortgage to pay off or a family to provide for? Practically speaking, because I don't have that regular income, I don't give via the bank. I use the offering each Sunday. And that flexibility is really helpful, but it does introduce more challenges. It can be quite easy to find excuses, to get to the end of a weekend and, and not have put that money aside, or to, to just forget to take the cash out of the bank. Um, and it's so easy to find those kind of get-out clauses. The other week, um, my car insurance was due, and I just paid it, and then my laptop died, and I had an assignment to write, and, and honestly, there wasn't really anything left after buying that. It would have been such a good time to not give, but I was prompted by God and I was reminded of things that John and others have said on stage that they give more when they have nothing left to give. And so I went and got not much money out of the bank and I put it in the offering. And although that seems quite small, I found that it changed my mindset. It reminded me that I rely on God for everything and not on my material possessions. I find that the, the tangible process of opening my hand and letting go helps me create that mentality of humility and surrender that I want towards God. It helps me acknowledge afresh that, that all that I have is ultimately just borrowed from him and that my time and my energy and, yes, my money should go towards serving him. So I'm so far off being perfect at this and my pride definitely gets in the way. My selfishness tells me that I need the money, that, that somehow I deserve it. But my experience is when I give, I know that I'm contributing to something greater. And I'm slowly learning to, to trust God to provide my daily bread. And, and he has. Over my life, God has given me such unimaginable grace. And I, I do believe in response, he deserves everything I have to offer. Wow, and those are four out of many, many stories across the life of this church. Just wonderful to hear. <laughs> wonderful. I know that many of you also give faithfully, and we are so grateful as a church for all of you who have committed to the work and ministry of this church. All the facilities that we have, the amazing buildings, the incredible areas of ministry are all made possible because many of you faithfully and generously give. I believe the things we're doing right now are really just a glimpse of the things that God wants us to do to bless this city and beyond. There is, there is so much more. And today, God is offering us an invitation into more. More financial freedom. Freedom from materialism. And more blessing in our lives and the lives of those around us. And so I'd like to encourage you this morning to think about how you're taking up that invitation. All of us here are in different financial circumstances. It may be you don't have a regular income, or it may be your current circumstances mean that giving financially feels like an impossibility. Maybe you're struggling financially. If you are, uh, we have a ministry here, Trent Debt Advice, which can offer free advice to help you with budgeting and getting out of debt. You can contact them uh, by emailing help at trentdebtadvice.org or you can pick up from the um, connect area, one of their flyers. 
Others of you may already be giving regularly to the church. You may be giving a tenth of your income. You may be giving beyond that. Or it may be that you're new to faith or to church. This, this whole idea of giving money beyond a couple of coins in an offering is really rather new. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but for whatever reason, you've not really ever got this, not really ever committed to regular generous giving. I and others today have mentioned a tenth which is a biblical model. I believe it's a great percentage to commit to giving to the church. Many of us give beyond that, not only to the church, but also to other charities and individuals. Giving a tenth of our income does sound like a rather striking number. If that is the case for you, though God invites us to test him in it and see if he won't pour out blessing upon us, if it's the case, you might want to start smaller. Start with a smaller percentage of your income and Increase it as you grow in confidence that trusting God with your finances really is the best way to live. One of the main reasons that people don't get their giving sorted out is not because they're resistant to God, but often simply because they don't get around to it. And so on many seats this morning, there are forms with envelopes, and uh, they're not there for any other reason than to facilitate a decision that you might want to make. So not there to pressurize you into starting a standing order to the church or increasing the size of one if you already have one. They're there because I believe that many of you today will, the Lord is speaking to you and you want to make a decision to change. And having that form helps you to do that without having to try and remember to go to the Connect here and pick one up. So if you want to fill it in, you can do it while you're here today. We've got boxes, man the boxes by the doors. You can pop it in there. You can take it home, use that envelope Um, or you can start your standing order or increase it or whatever you're doing with it online. That's the way, there's a massive trend that most of us do that, online. And on that form are the bank details. So that's the simplest thing. Take the form home, do it online. And if you do it online, it'd be very helpful if you could email giving at trentvineyard.org just to let them know so that they know, oh, it's coming from this person. And uh, also on the website, there are details of other ways that you can give. And you'll find a link to give via church suite and also again the bank details will be on there. So our encouragement as we close really is for you to each of us as I have recently to review your giving, ask the Lord whether he wants you to start committing financially to church or to increase the amount you're giving and if so to take action to step into that obedience to his prompting and if you can possibly do it in the next week that would be really good because if that form or that decision gets buried under a pile of papers or simply gets forgotten, then you may never get around to it. Let's stand.